Appreciate you. Clap your hands into the Lord this morning, if you would. Let's give him a great shout of praise. Can you lift up your hands right now? I believe the presence of the Holy Ghost is in this house this morning. I tell you, I feel the power of the Spirit. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. My, from the moment I walked in that door, I could feel the touch of the Holy Ghost. I was walking across from the other building to this one, and I, I could feel that bass drum. And I said, I'm excited to go to the house of God today. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I'm glad to be with you today in Bakersfield, California. And what a beautiful church. I mean, I almost like this room better than the other room. This is cool. And I feel revival in the house of God. Thank God we're not a dead church. We are a lively church. We are lively stones. We're part of the solid rock. Amen. I feel today that God is going to do some great things, but I'm, I'm aware that you're standing. Just give me a few moments, and I'm going to be cognizant of the time. I will be done preaching at 1130. I have a great big clock back there to remind me, maybe even 1120. Hopefully, Brother Laren will have the landing gear down, and we'll be touching down right at about 1120 this morning. But let me give honor to some great people this morning. Uh, we love and we appreciate your pastor and his family, Pastor and Sister Bradford. We give you honor today, Brother Bradford, Sister Bradford. Thank you for modeling what I like to think of as cool apostolicness. That's not necessarily proper, but that is really what I think. When I look at Brother and Sister Bradford, these are some cool apostolic leaders that are spiritual, that have got vision that are saying, let's do something great for the kingdom of God. In every way, my wife and I, we admire Brother and Sister Bradford and their children. Brother Peyton Bradford has done a wonderful job preaching for us many times and Tracy at West Valley Pentecostals. And we have a great youth pastor in Brother Peyton Bradford. He's doing a wonderful job. So special to us is Bishop Frost. Bishop, we love and appreciate you so very much i give you honor today he sits on our church board that means everything every major decision that we make he either approves or disapproves and we appreciate and love him so very much my wonderful wife and my little boy theo i'm so happy that they could be with me today and uh, just appreciate the church with these great leaders uh if there was if there wasn't a church body we would not probably have much to say about them thank you for being the church in 2000 21 we say thank you for saying pastor preach holiness preach righteousness preach it preach it like the previous generations have preached it and uh, as brother bradford mentioned as you turn with me to the book of luke this morning uh, my family has deep deep ties to this church my grandfather and my grandmother many of you know them the allards edward and amelia allard uh, are out of this church. They uh, came into the church under Brother I.H. Terry. I texted my grandfather this morning. I said, Grandpa, I said, what year did you receive the Holy Ghost? Uh, he said, I believe it was July 11th, 1954. 
he says, brother, I think it was Brother Bean that was preaching. My, I may be mistaken, but he said, I'll, rem I'll never forget. I was about 16. The power of the Holy Ghost was moving so strong in that meeting back in the old building. He said, I literally jumped out of the balcony, ran to the altar, and was miraculously filled with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad to know that today that the same power that was moving in 1954 is in the building this morning. The same Holy Ghost that was in Acts chapter 2 was, was also here in 1954. And in 2021, when many people have walked away in compromise, thank God for leadership and thank God for a church that says we are going to continue on the old paths. Thank God. Amen. Thank you for being, thank you for being the church. Thank you for being a, a, an example uh, to, to what the apostolic church ought to look like. I move swiftly now to the book of Luke chapter 4. We'll also be taking a quick look at John chapter 8 here in just a moment. I believe, and I don't know what your custom is on Sunday morning. I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily good at following customs, but if you'll hopefully just help me preach for a few moments, I believe that God is going to fill somebody with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost this morning. Now today, if you've come to hear a beautiful homily and a beautiful sermon, sorry, you're not going to get that. But I tell you what I believe the Holy Ghost is going to do. I believe the Holy Ghost is going to fill somebody today. If you need a miracle, if you need deliverance, if you need the Holy Ghost, I believe you're going to receive it this morning. And let there be a great big hearty amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter number 8. Here we go. Verse number 4, beginning with verse number 16. If you're there, say amen. If you're reading on the screen, say amen. All right. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Everybody say the Sabbath day. He came into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, and to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Would you read in concert with me this morning, verse number 18? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Quickly now, for the book of John, the book of John chapter number one verse of scripture here verse number 12 verse number 12 then spake Jesus again unto them saying I am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life I am the light of the world with the help of the Holy Ghost for about the next let's see here maybe 25-30 minutes I'm going to preach my very best with, with God being my director from this thought. Step into the light. 
step into the light? Would you set your Bible down and would you extend your hand this morning? And would you pray for this preacher that God would anoint us this morning? Jesus, I come before you right now, and God, I ask that, Lord, the presence of God would move into this place powerfully and mightily. I pray that, God, those that are in need of a touch today would receive that touch. I pray those that have never been filled with the Holy Ghost would receive the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. I pray for those that have, God, walked away, but, God, they're on their way back. I pray today that you would refill them and that you would renew them. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen again. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. You can be seated. Wow. We are living in a dark world. The day and the age that we are living in is, is something to not be desired. I was speaking to my grandfather some time ago, and I said, Grandpa, you're 84, 85 years of age. Have you ever seen the world in this condition? And Without hardly any hesitation, he promptly responded. He said, Brad, he said, I have never seen the world so dark. The world today is so dark. There's racial tensions. There's the pandemic. There's, there's cases that are taking place and being settled that are raising all kinds of strife and protest in the streets. There's diseases breaking out around the world. I was looking at the news just this morning. I was at the coffee shop, pulled up my news, and I began to make my way through it. And I noticed this morning that riots are breaking out all over Europe. And over the last couple of years, many of us have lost close friends and family members due to the virus. We are living in a dark hour. Inflation, for those of you that watch the financial markets or those of you that are concerned, we're starting to see inflation rising. The prices of homes are, are almost unobtainable. They're so expensive. I know in our current city, things are so expensive that we can hardly afford them, and it frustrates my spirit. The world is dark. It is so dark that I, I have done my best over the last year, year and a half, just to shut the news off. I've, I'm tired of being grieved, but uh, as I begin to think about it and I begin to ponder it, I begin to realize that this is the church's greatest opportunity for revival. And today, though I've not come to preach to the church collectively, let me say this to you. We ought not to become uh, concerned about the things that are going on in the world. It is a natural response to be concerned about all of the world events. But I believe that this is a day and this is an hour for the church to rise up and see revival like we have never seen it before. Someone say amen. The world is looking and they're saying, are we going to find hope in a politician? Are we going to find hope in the midterms? Are we going to find hope in some kind of possible antichrist. Let me break it to you today. You're not going to find your hope guest in a new politician. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat. You're not going to find hope in a politician. There is going to be no world leader that can fix this problem. The only answer to the problem that we're dealing with today, the only answer to the spiritual darkness that we are encountering today is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, your world is going to be so dark you wake up every morning contemplating thoughts of suicide. But I've got good news for you today that if you will be filled with the powerful gift of the Holy Ghost, you can wake up tomorrow morning saying, I've got a reason to live. I've got a reason to get up and go to work. God can take every bit of darkness that has been over your head for the last two years or 20 years and make it it's not the will of God that you live in darkness. It's not the will of God that you live in depression. It's the will of God that you come out of depression. It's the will of God that you come out of darkness and walk into this marvelous light. Someone shout hallelujah. Amen. Some will tell you that all it takes is a casual relationship with Jesus to take and turn the lights on, if you'll allow me to put it that way. All you need to do is make a simple confession of faith, and all of a sudden the lights will be turned on. Some of you have tried that down at the local church, and you've, you've tried coming to the altar and confessing the Lord as your personal Savior, only to walk out the back door, and that same darkness that's been looming over your head for years still to be there. Uh, yes, I believe that you've got to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but that is but just the beginning. If you are going to have the lights turned on, hear me very closely now, guest. Uh, there's got to be a touch of the Holy Ghost. Let me modify that just a little bit. You don't need just a touch. You need an infilling of the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. You don't need just to feel the goosebumps. You don't need to just feel the brush of angels wings but you need to leave this morning filled with the Holy Ghost it was good in 1954 and it's still good in 2021 you can walk out changed and made different come on do I got a church that believes it today I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost, is, it makes all the difference. The Holy Ghost makes all the difference. you got to confess the Lord, but you need to be filled with the wonderful gift of the Spirit. John chapter number 3, Jesus says, Except a man be born of the water, that is baptism, and born of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It is essential that you be born of the Holy Ghost, that you be born again. But let me tell you, not only is it essential, but it's going to change your outlook on life. It's going to turn the lights of the Holy Spirit on, and you're going to walk different. You're going to talk different. You're going to live different. Everything about your life is going to be transformed. Any Holy Ghost filled people in here believe it today? I'll tell you what happens when you get the Holy Ghost. You were a drug addict before you got the Holy Ghost, but after once you got it, uh, once you, you you were a drug addict before you got it, but once you got the Holy Ghost, uh, you had no more desire to go back to that den of iniquity. You had no more desire to inject your veins with those drugs. Uh, I believe that the Holy Ghost has that kind of power. You may have been an alcoholic before you got the Holy Ghost, uh, but when you receive the wonderful gift of the Spirit, you can walk 
walk out and you'll never desire another drink. Oh, I wish someone believed it in here today. What the world tries to do in 12 steps, Jesus can do in three steps. If you repent, be filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, everything about you is going to be changed. Come on, anybody believe that right now? Ah, I tell you, I'm preaching to someone today that you need the touch of the Holy Ghost. You've been living in darkness, but the answer is you need to step into this thing that I'm preaching about. Even, even the, the, the denominal world sees what I'm talking about. The denominal world, they, they know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a story that I love to tell because it just happened a few months ago. I was overlooking at a church property, a church property that is owned by an, Ang by an Anglican diocese. And I walked through the property, and the Catholic or the Anglican priest is showing me around. And uh, she's showing me the building, she's showing me the house, and she's showing me the daycare center. And so I began to talk to her a little bit about uh, the Church of England and talk to her about what she believed and what was the doctrines of the church. And so she began to talk to me about that. She said, listen, we're really Catholic, but the difference is our priest can marry and a, a, a female can be a priest. She began to go down the line. And she looked at me. She said, Pastor, she said, what are you? She said, what are you? I said, I'm, I'm one of those apostolic Pentecostals. She said, oh, y'all are the happy people. She got that right. Let me tell you, when you get the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name, everything about you changes. You may have been depressed. You may have been oppressed. You may have been addicted. But when you get the power of the Holy Ghost, everything about you changes. I wish someone right now would lift up their hands and say, God, would you allow, allow the fresh fire to fall today? Put your hands together in here today. Hallelujah. Huh. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost this morning. About five, six weeks ago, it was Sunday morning. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't one of our best services. Pastors, we kind of rank services. You know, if the music's not right on and, and maybe, maybe we did not necessarily communicate the way we wanted to communicate. We walk out of the pulpit, we're kind of frustrated. At least I am. Maybe, maybe not these brethren, but I, I get frustrated. And I'll never forget feeling frustrated. But, but there, on that particular Sunday morning, there was a distinguished Polish family that, that had walked in, kind of sat maybe in the middle of the congregation. I didn't know nothing about these people. They came to service, and they just stood there stoically. They just stood there, and I thought, my God. And I, I remember I walked, I felt, Lord, help me, I missed it. And they just, they, they just stood there. There was no moving. They, they didn't speak in tongues the first time. They didn't dance. They didn't shout. They just stood there. Well, come to find out after a couple of services and a couple of Bible studies, this man, uh, I will not name his name today or give his name today, but his, uh, he is a professor at Stanford. And his wife is an atheist. The husband is a Catholic and and the wife is an atheist. They're here for, I believe, just a short period of time before they go back to Poland. He's at Stanford lecturing right now. And they, they would come back and they would kind of start to get into it. But over the course of conversations, we found out the wife began to tell us, she said, there's just something about your church 
there's something about your church. She said, I'm an atheist. But she said, I feel something when I come to West Valley Pentecostals. I looked at her. I said, you know what you feel? It's not charisma. It's not great music. And it's not emotionalism. What you're feeling, Sylvia, is you are feeling the precious touch of the Holy Ghost. Even the atheist cannot deny that the Holy Ghost is real. Let me preach to someone today. You don't have any faith. When you get touched by the power of the Holy Ghost, you will not question one more day the existence of God. But you're going to be, oh, you're gonna, your life is going to be transformed. Your life is going to be changed. Uh. I'm telling you what, when the Holy Ghost moves on somebody, when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, you can't help. You can't, you can't but help be a different person. You cannot help but be changed. When the Holy Ghost moves on you, everything is going to be radically different. If you are going to receive the Holy Ghost this morning, let me just share with you quickly how you are going to receive it. You're going to repent of your sins, and you're going to say, God, I'm not going going back to sin. I'm never going back to that den of iniquity. I'm never going to inject another drug. I'm never going to smoke another joint. I'm never going to take and live immoral again. That is what we call repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. It is a change of direction. But you got to go beyond repentance. At that point, you need to begin to pray, Lord, would you fill me with the precious touch of the Holy Ghost? And when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, I got news for you. You shall speak with other tongues. Every single time we see in Scripture where people were filled with the Holy Ghost, they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Would you look at your neighbor right now and say, today is your day to speak in tongues. Come on, look at somebody else and say, today is your day to speak in tongues. Ah, I don't get the Holy Ghost just so I can speak in tongues. But the reason why God gives us the Holy Ghost is that it seals us with a seal that cannot be broken. Amen. The Bible says that it is, it is the seal of the Spirit. We become sealed. But there's also something else I want to mention to you this morning, and that is what we find in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse number 8. The Bible says, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, that you shall receive power. Everybody say power. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power. Tutamas. The Greek word is tutamas. And, and what does it mean? It means that you will receive dominion. It means you're going to have the power to look at that alcoholic drink and say, no way, Jose. You're going to be able to look at that woman that you've been shacking up with for the last 20 years and say, it's not going on one more day. When you get the Holy Ghost, it empowers you to be able to live above your flesh. Oh, I wish I had about 20 people that believe that right now. You know what you've been missing? you got to start living in the Spirit. You can't just be a good, cute little Christian. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. My, my, my. Acts chapter number 19, I'm moving swiftly. We find the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul encounters some of John's disciples. 
Now, John's disciples, these cats, these cats were moral people. I'm going to take a little bit of liberty. Don't, don't come up to me and try to straighten me out after church today because I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and confess. I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with this text, okay? John's disciples were just good Christians. These were the guys that were out. They weren't drinking. They weren't shacking up. They weren't doing things that were immoral. Maybe a couple of them. I don't know, but can't vouch for all of them. But I would say that these, these were devout men. Matter of fact, Brother Laren, the Bible says in the previous chapter that a man by the name of Apollos, one of John's disciples, uh, was a man that was mighty in the Scriptures. He was a man that was a great orator and even a preacher of the Word of God. He is a good Christian. But I don't have the time to get into Apollos' story. But if you look at Acts chapter 19, Paul runs into 12 of these cats that are good, godly men. And before he tries to share with them the story of the prodigal son or any uh, of, of Jesus' other teachings, possibly on the talents or whatnot, the first question that Paul asks them is this. Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believe? I have one question for those of you that do not have the Holy Ghost today. Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? These 12 cats, they look at Paul and says, man, we've not even heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. We, we don't even really know what you're talking about. The Bible says that Paul takes them. I'm, I'm giving you just the Brad Allard paraphrase. He takes them and he baptizes them in the name of of Muhammad. I'm just making sure you're awake this morning because that fog really, it's messing with me. He takes them and he baptizes them in the name of Buddha. The Bible says, you go read it, 9, 19 verses 1 through 6, that, that Paul takes them and he baptizes them through immersion in the only saving name, the name of Jesus. Now, I need someone to help me. Come on, come help me, bro. Come help me real quick. Yeah, 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 you're, you're a good helper. You're, you're one of my John's disciples. I'm Paul. They get baptized in the name of Jesus, and then as soon as Paul lays his hands on their head, I want you to see this, the Bible says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't know if that excites you, but that excites me. All 12 of them, not 10, not 11, but all 12, left that day speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance, baptized in the only saving name, the name of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? If you've not received it, today is your. Oh, what are you doing, Brother Allen? I'm preaching the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day of salvation. Would you lift up your hands? The Holy Ghost is about to fall in this place. I'm not quite done, but would you lift up your hands and would you pray that the Holy Ghost would fall in this house? Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. 
Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. Some of you are saying, preacher, preacher, you don't know my story. You don't know where, where I've been living. You don't know what I've got in my background. Preacher, if you ever did a background check on me, you would see there's no way that God could fill me with the Holy Ghost. I got news for you. The devil is a liar. The Lord, Jesus can fill you with the Holy Ghost this morning. I don't care if you were an alcoholic. I don't care if you were an abuser. I don't care if you were a drug addict. I don't care if you lived an immoral lifestyle. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. But God brought us out. Now I know. I know, just stay standing. I know there's a lot of you that have never done jack. And I'm talking about in the world. You, you, you've never been messed up. You've never been so caught up in sin that you knew what it was to be bound uh, in your mind and in your spirit. But there are probably a few of you in here this morning that knows what it is to be caught up and bound by addiction. You probably know what it is to have your heart broken and your heart bruised. You probably know what it is to be a captive and wonder is there ever a time that God is going to bring me out I'm preaching to you today that's the one I'm preaching to I want you to know that God can heal a broken heart he can deliver a captive you may have been bound for 20 years but God can bring you out I'm talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. It's, oh, the Holy Ghost can change it. The Holy Ghost can deliver. The Holy Ghost can set free. Uh, now listen, here it is. I'm trying to, all right, 1109, got 10 more minutes. It's all right. I hope this is okay. I, I I'm so sorry if this is not your protocol on Sunday morning, but this is what I feel today. This is what I feel. If you want the Holy Ghost, can someone bring me a chair real quick and put it up on the platform? Quickly, quickly. If you want the Holy Ghost, if you want the Spirit of God, it is not some kind of passive experience. It's not some kind of passive experience, thank you, where you just sit down in a chair And say, you know what, I'm just going to sit here until the Holy Ghost moves on me. You'll never get it that way. How do you know that? Why can you say that with such authority? I'll never forget. Go ahead and be seated for just a few moments. I'll never forget about probably seven, eight years ago, maybe even longer. I was asked to go and preach at a Romanian Pentecostal church. Now, by definition, when a church calls itself Pentecostal, it typically means that they believe in the moving of the Spirit and that they have it. And so I was asked to go preach at this Trinitarian Romanian Pentecostal church. I'd won the pastor's son to God. The problem that they were having, the reason why they had asked me to come, was that they had been having all-night prayer meetings for two years and nobody was getting the Holy Ghost. Let me retract. They were having those prayer meetings so that people would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And not one person in two years had been filled with the Holy Ghost. And they said, we just can't figure this out. We just cannot make sense of it. We're hungry for the Holy Ghost. We want the Spirit of God. But, but He's not falling upon us. And I found out they would just come and they would just sit. And so here we go. I, I go to preach on a Sunday night. 
I go to preach on the go, go to preach at this church. And let me tell you something. I felt like I was preaching to a wall. These people are hungry, Bishop. They say that they really want what we got. And they did. They really did. But they just sat there during the worship service. They sat there during preaching. And they just looked at me like I was some kind of crazy fool. I thought, oh, Lord, what have you gotten me into? I mean, as I'm preaching, I'm having this internal conversation with my brother. I said, what have you gotten in? What have you gotten me into? I mean, I'm sweating profusely. For some of you that are preachers, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just, I said, Lord, how am I going to get out of this? And I'm preaching from Ezekiel 37. And I'm preaching about the, the, the bones coming back together, but you have to speak the word. I'm preaching there, and it may not even have been great preaching, but I was just preaching from there. And I gave the altar call, and everybody is just sitting in their chair, waiting for the Holy Ghost to come just kind of smite them or strike them. And it finally occurred to me, the reason why these people are not getting the Holy Ghost is because they're not stepping into it. Now, now, now just, just stick with me for a second. They're just sitting there, not willing to make the initial step. The way I read the New Testament is this, that almost every time, almost every time that somebody receives a miracle, they're the first one to say, I'm stepping into this thing. If you want the Holy Ghost this morning, there's going to be an altar call here in about five minutes. And let me tell you, if you really want it, I would get to this altar and I would lift up my hands and I would step into the light. I would say, I'm not going to be bound one more day. I'm not going to live in sin one more day. I feel like that needs a little bit of little bit of preaching. Let me just let me just show you what I mean by this. Every time somebody had a miracle in scripture, they took and they pressed their way in. The Bible says the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years, she did not just stay home. She didn't just stay there and say, I'm going to sit here and wait for Jesus to come hit me. Stop by my house. And, oh, yeah, he may do it. The chances are pretty slim. But most of the time, you've got to take and you've got to press. The Bible says that she began to press her way through the crowd. She said, I've got to get where he's at. Come on, that's it right there. I feel like God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Come on, right now, if you need the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost just showed up. Get to this altar. The ministry's going to pray for you, and we believe you shall receive it. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost, when you come to the altar, I need you to step into the light. Come on, I need you to step into the light. Grab your neighbor by the hand, if you would, please. Bring them to the altar. Come on, bring your neighbor to the altar. Today we're going to have Holy Ghost outpouring, not just because I said so, but because I believe that it is the will of God. Come on, right now, receive it, receive it, receive it in Jesus' name.